chapter 4, the passage, Esther chapter 4, and I'm calling the title of the message today, Beyond the Surface. I'm calling it Beyond the Surface. Um, and when you, well, as you're getting your Bible ready to Esther, <coughs> it's so funny about life sometimes. Life is interesting because you can live as if everything is natural and everything can be, can be solved on the surface, but yet uh, everything about life has a spiritual meaning behind it. And, 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 and for, for, for the kingdom of God to move forward, for our lives, for our future, we need to be people who look beyond the surface, who see the reason behind. We just prayed this morning for what's going on in, in our country. And, you know, we can look at all those situations and just um, um, think of solutions that are, that are just com completely intellectual uh, and ideas. And that's ideas. They have a place for ideas and good ideas for everything. But how many realize that there is a spiritual meaning behind what's going on? Sometimes things are happening in your family. You're like, man, why, we, why is my family so messed up? People sometimes feel. It's like, oh, those families are good. The mind's messed up. It's like, no. The, the, the problem sometimes is deeper than the surface. There's a spiritual connection to just about everything that you can think of. And, and also Satan's at work. And we need to be people who are aware of the spiritual meaning behind those things. And God's calling us in these times that we are living in to be people that go beyond. Amen? People that go beyond. There's a scripture that says um, uh, that, that, that we are to be like men of Issachar who understood the times that they were living in. Not just go through life and, 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 and react to everything that's going on around the world as if it's a surprise. You would find if you start looking at it, there are very, very few surprises. Paul Solomon said this in Ecclesiastes, that there is nothing new under the sun. So there are not really no surprises sometimes. When things are happening, we can put connections to the times that we're living. The Bible says that we should be awakened to realize what's going on beyond the surface. Now, Esther, uh, for those who do not know the story, I'm, I'm going to have to kind of give a little background uh, before I read the passage of scripture that I'm going to read because Esther was... Uh, a young lady, um, a Jewish young lady, uh, during a time where they were in exile. And she, at this point, where we're going to read in the story, she actually had become the queen. Um, uh, um, uh, of, of <coughs> she had become the queen. But her people, the Jewish people, were living in captivity. And, uh, and, uh, <coughs> and they had an enemy who did not like them. Haman was a man who hated the Jews so bad, um, uh, his cousin Hitler, <laughs> you get the point. And he had done everything he wanted to do to destroy the Jews. He, he hated the Jews so bad, he wanted them destroyed uh, uh, completely. In fact, he went so much further that at this point in his life, he had actually succeeded. He had gotten the king to agree that the Jewish people were not to be trusted. And, and, and if you read, I'm not going to go back to read it. You go, Esther is a very small good book, but very good. In fact, read it today. Read it this week. Just read the whole book. Okay? And, and let the Lord speak to you through the stories and inspire your spirit uh, with what he is doing. But... Uh, <clears throat> One of the things that he did when he was convincing the king that the Jews should be all killed, 
He said that these people, there are people in your kingdom who live differently. Who've set, in fact, he used the words, they set themselves apart from everybody else and we can't trust them. Does it sound like believers sometimes? If it doesn't sound like a believer, you've got some problems and you need to go beyond. Because he, he, didn't, he didn't understand them. He didn't understand their spiritual life. They, they lived on principles and all that. And he just wanted. And at this point, let me pick the story up here. When they had found out that the, all the Jews will be killed. Story reads like 19th century, doesn't it? Nothing new under the sun. Verse 5 of Esther chapter 4. It says, Esther summoned Hathak, one of the king's eunuchs assigned to attend to her, and ordered him to find out what was troubling Mordecai. For the for newbies in the story, Mordecai was Esther's uncle who raised him. He was an, he was an uncle, that, but like a dad. Esther's parents died when she was a baby, a, a young child, and her uncle, Mordecai, is the one who raised him, raised her. And when Mordecai had the news, he was so upset, he was so troubled, um, and, and Esther had found out that your uncle is going through a rough, rough time. So she sent her people to go find out what's going on. Verse 6, so Hathak went to, out to Mordecai in the open square of the city in front of the king's gate. Mordecai told him everything that had happened to him, including the exact amount of money that Haman had promised to pay into the royal treasury for the destruction of the years. He made a campaign promise, yeah? Campaign contribution there. <laughs> so he also gave him a copy of the text and the edict for their annihilation, which had been published in Susa to show to Esther and to explain to her and how, and he told him to instruct her to go into the king's presence to beg for mercy and plead with him for the people. So Hathak went back and reported to Esther what Mordecai had said. Then she instructed him to say to Mordecai, all the king's officials and all the people around the provinces know this for, for no man, no woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned Summoned, without the, being summoned, the king would, has only one law but to, 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 to put that person to death. Unless, of course, he would extend his golden scepter to them and spares their lives. But th it's been 30 days since I was called out to the king. When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back an answer. He said, do not think that because you and your king, you are in the king's house, you alone of all of, Jewish will, of the Jews will escape. But if you remain silent at a time like this, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But if you and your father's, and you and your fam but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to the royal position for such a time as this. Then Esther sent his reply to Mordecai. He said, go gather the people together, all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, three days and night. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. 
So Mordecai went away and carried, all out, uh, carried out all of Esther's instructions. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. You sent your word to heal our disease. We thank you that your word is alive today. Give us spiritual ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. This was a life and death situation going on here. And in those days, things were so ruthless. We can look back when someone, I'm using Hitler, I don't know why their names still stand with H, Hitler, Hussein, whatever. The people were hated the Jews, and he wanted them killed. And we've seen in our, in our recent history that that is possible when someone gets success. Thank God that World War I did turn around and turn the situation around. But things happen, though, in this life, and evil is real. It's really amazing to me how carnal sometimes our society has become. We interpret everything carnally. Everything in life is, does not have an intellectual solution because everything is not at the surface level. And we ignore time and time again the spiritual meaning behind what's going on in our world. And so what we end up doing is taking care of the fruit and uh, forgetting the root. We prune the top, but the root system is still strong because Satan's not afraid if we become so creative with every problem we find. There are more people today dealing with depression than at any time. More families are messed up, and they don't know why. Yet we have the best education the world has ever seen. Access to information, access to education has never been more it's never been more access than we have in our time. I mean, any subject matter right now that you want to know just a little bit better than the person next door, you could Google while I'm speaking and find out one or two things. I'll say, I was born in 1955, and you could look, oh, no, I think it's 1980. You could find that out real quick, right? We have access to all sorts of information. We have so much power. We become so complex, but yet the troubles of real life we can't solve because we are looking at the surface we're not going beyond the surface you know what's sad it's not that the world is thinking that way what's sad is that it's impacted and affected the people of god Romans chapter 8 addresses this issue. I'm not going to go there. You can write it down and read it for yourself. And Romans chapter 8, as it begins, it talks about being spiritually minded and to be carnal and being carnally minded. It says that to be to be carnally minded is death. But death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. That's going beyond. And I'm coming to you this morning to say that the Lord is calling his people to start to look beyond the surface, to start living beyond the surface. When we look at the things that are going on in our families, recognize that the enemy is trying to destroy the family because the family is the foundation of good society. The family, the blessings that go on, when the family is blessed, the society at large is blessed. Why do you think Satan attacks families? 
values you learn at home, you don't leave. We're tra transferring those responsibilities to other people. And the family gets broken and broken. And when it becomes broken and broken, we have an outcome in society. You think, why are kids so disrespectful these days? Why do we have so much violence these days? Why are people running to drugs and everything, trying to satisfy their life? Why are people getting in horrible relationships? Can't they find out that they... That... We need to go back to the roots. We need to go back to the roots. We need to see Satan for what he is. Because what, what you think, and as I set, up, set you up at the beginning, is that Haman hated the Jews. And he might have just hated the Jews all right, but it was not that he hated the Jews. We need to look beyond the surface. Now think about it. Prophetically, God had already prophesied that a Messiah will come through the Jewish lineage. If it wasn't for the same, the plan of God, he wanted, what was Satan was, Haman hated the Jews, but Satan was behind what Haman was doing. Satan knew that if I could completely destroy all the Jews, that the line of the Messiah would be disrupted. And guess what? There would be no chance for salvation had it not been. So he wanted to disrupt the plan of God for humanity, not for Jews, for all humanity. There are attacks in your life, there are things that are going on in your life, there are challenges that you face that are not just challenges in surface. Satan is not after just getting you frustrated and upset about life and not be unhappy or what that, no. He wants to destroy your future. He wants you to be separated from God. He wants you to come up with every solution under the sun. And because as long as he can get your soul, as long as he can get future generation to enter into the joy of the kingdom, he's winning. So sometimes you are faced with resistance, you're faced with problems, and you don't realize why it's go what's going on. It's because there's a treasure in you. There's something good inside of you. There's something valuable inside of you. Otherwise, he wouldn't go to, uh, at you that hard. He will go at your finances. He'll go at your health. He'll go at your family. He'll go at your every direction because there's treasure in you. And he knows when you discover that and you start living beyond the surface, the blessings will fall. The generation will be affected, not just for now, but for eternity. I've never seen uh, uh, any breaking of a house that's already abandoned and it doesn't have anything in it. The breakings go to the houses that have valuable things. They go after where they can get some treasures and all that. If you have a beat up house that has nothing inside of it, I bet you anything you don't need an alarm to keep the security out. Well, you need an alarm because there's something valuable that you're protecting. And that's what the Satan goes after. He goes after you. He goes after your family. He goes after your health. Because he knows that when you begin to live beyond. And you begin to see who you are in Christ. And the treasure that God has put in you. And you start living it out. And living beyond the surface. That you will be destroying everything that he's planning to do. He hated the Jews. He hated Haman because he, he, he was jealous of the people. He was envious of who they were. He knew that there was something special about them. In fact, he calls them out. And finally, he decides that he's going to see them dead. 
and he about succeeds. He about succeeds. And Satan's doing the same exact thing in our world. And he's calling his, God is calling his people to get out of the carnal mindedness living and to start to see the spiritual battle that we are already in it. You're in a battle even when you don't know it. And to start seeing beyond. And he's calling you and I just like Esther's in our generation to go to go beyond, to stand in the gap, to call out the spiritual wickedness that are going on. It says in the Bible that we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but we're fighting against principalities. We are fighting against uh, the battles, um, and the, the, the spiritual enemies, demonic spirits that are in operation in our world today. For us to go beyond we have to decide in our minds. We have to make a decision. I'm just making really small points for remembering, just to help us points of connection with the message today, is that if we were to be people who go beyond, we have to first of all make a decision. We have to first of all make a decision. It is a decision before any action is made. It's something inside we have to decide that we are not of this world. We are not going to fight natural worlds. We are not going to react the way, let me say, the way the world wants us to react. We live in a very interesting time, I think, and I, and I haven't lived a long time, but even for my, in my short life, I've seen the changes. 24-hour news is not that awesome in our world. These types of things that happen, happen in the world before we just didn't hear about it. We didn't get notifications on our phone 24-7. Oh my goodness, Chris stripped up. And I'm watching it happen in America, and it's sad because people, every, every news story that pops up, it's like, I'm right and you are wrong. Come on, da, da, da. and then there's all these fights that are going on, and, and this vision, and we blame others for division, and we don't see ourselves playing any role in it. And we react to everything that's tossed. And people, demonic forces are predicating the conversations that are going to be going on. Even in the pulpit. We preach in response to what's going on in the world. Instead of preaching what the Spirit is inspiring the church to say, sometimes you see what cycles go on. And at times you have to speak into what's going on. But we need to look beyond the surface. Who's originating this story? Who dictates what's being said? So let me tell you an example. And just as an example in the culture that we live in. I think it was last year. There was an attack in one European country, a terrorist attack, I forget which one it was, it might have been France, because they've been hit a lot. I mean, it was everywhere in the news, everywhere in the news. Same week, there's an attack of Christians in Nigeria. More people died than the one that died in France. We were hitting hashtag, pray with, stand with Paris, all over. I mean, you can go to the internet anywhere and not see that. And you have to search to find what was going on in Nigeria. <coughs> Could be whether maybe it was Africa or maybe because he was Christian or both. What was the difference between the two stories? One was broadcasted, one was not. 
So our passion was in one. Now, and I'm, I'm giving that little stretch because it was in the same week. It was in the same week that it happened. And more Christians died in Nigeria that week than even died in France, same week. But we didn't hear about it. So we didn't have a passion for it. You see what I'm saying? Is that sometimes our thought life, our thought process can be manipulated by what we are hearing. That's why the Bible says we should be hearing. Well, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the words of, of, word of God. Because sometimes we are listening to so many voices and we're not listening to the voice that we should be listening all the time. We should be in the word more than we are in the news. We should be hearing from heaven more than we are hearing from New York and L.A. We should know what the... That's what the Bible says over and over and over again. Read Revelation 2 and 3. It says, let him who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. Let him who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. Let him... How many... He's reminding us over and over again that there are voices all over that want to speak into your life. They want to control how you think. But yet the Lord's got a love letter for us. He's got the good news for us. When bad news is popping out of every, every single place we go, there's a good news of Jesus Christ. It's called the gospel. He says, I shall not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For the gospel is the power of God that brings salvation. And did I say that? The gospel is the power. We can speak with our power, but the gospel alone, the simple message of Jesus Christ who came in flesh, who died for our sins, who's able to transform a sinner to a saint, who's able to change destiny in a moment. People that had families that are messed up, he's a restorer. He can change what the enemy had intended for evil and give you a future, not just in this life, for the life to come. We need to appear people that go beyond, that see beyond the surface. Satan wanted to destroy the Jewish people in that time. But it wasn't after the people. He wanted to destroy the prophetic message that had already been spoken about the lineage of the Messiah. And without the Messiah, the world will have no hope. For God sent his son into the world. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father except through me. Jesus' lineage came through those people. Haman didn't, probably did not understand that much. He could not see beyond the surface. But Satan did. Can I tell you that again? Satan did. I want you to ask yourself. Sometimes you're faced with challenges. And sometimes we get challenges and terrible situations that happen to us outside of our control. And we wonder, why do these types of things happen to me? Could it be that you haven't discovered the call of God in your life? Could it be that you haven't discovered the, 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 the treasure of God inside of you? And Satan wants to put it to bed before you even begin. He wants you to start doubting yourself. He wants you to start comparing with us. He wants you to be depressed and thinking your life is no good. Maybe you've been attacked so much because there's so much in you that he's so afraid of. Can I give you a couple of biblical illustrations? Moses. Greatest prophet in the Old Testament. The guy that talked to God face to face. He wrote the first five books of the Bible. He gave us the Ten Commandments. Incredible amount of miracles. 
Moses was a priest. He was so gifted intellectually. He was not only a spiritual leader. He was a spiritual leader, a national leader, a judicial leader. I mean, he was the three arms of government plus his priest and a prophet. Uh, you talk about talent. The laws we lose to this day, the principles that are embedded in Western culture, Western law, came from the foundation that get Moses laid for civic laws. We still use them to, today. That's how brilliant the guy was. Thousands of years later, we still use these principles. So in government, he was excellent. Not just one side. He wasn't just a talented executive. He was a talented judicial leader and legislature at the same time. Spiritually, the man talked to God. The man talked to God. The man stood in front of the Red Sea and raised his hand and it parted. Highway on the ocean. That was Moses. God had tremendous plan, purpose for his future. The whole humanity will be impacted by this man. And guess what? Satan would want to kill every young Jew, every young Hebrew in Egypt at the time. Not because he hated Egypt. He didn't want Moses to do what Moses was assigned to do. Pharaoh heard about this and decided, well, I don't know which kid this is, but I want all children under two to be killed. And his mother went beyond the service. His mother was discerning enough spiritually. His mother took a, he took a, a risk, which is faith. And his mother would put this baby in a basket, not knowing what would happen. But she held on to faith and hope, not understanding what's going on. But she would not let her baby die or be snatched from her. But believe somehow, some way, God will work a miracle. And God did work a miracle all right. Not only would Moses' life be spared, Moses would actually grow up in royalty. Moses will get the best education that he could get because of the family that he ended up growing up in as he was adapted into Pharaoh's own family. Egypt had the best education in the world at the time. And Moses learned all his skills. He wasn't just a spiritual leader, he was a very skilled leader. Because he grew up in the best country, and he grew up in the most powerful home that you could. He got the best of the best. And later God will use that to change and to save humanity. The trials, the trouble, the mountains that you're facing in your life right now, that Satan wants to bring discouragement, fear, disbelief, discouragement, comparison to others. He wants you to think lowly of yourself. I'm speaking to you the word of the Lord now. Satan wants you to think that way because there's a treasure inside of you. And don't accept it. Don't accept it. No, no. Say that I am a child of God. We are a royal priesthood, a peculiar people. The Bible says in Timothy that we are chosen by God. 
chosen by God. His light is upon your life. And that's why Satan is so mad and he hates you. He hates you. Do you think he likes you sometimes? No. Don't try. He hates you. He hates you because he's envious of you, because you are a child of God. About humanity, any one of us, any day, when we come to the Lord, no matter how far we've gone, no matter how bad we've been, God never rejects us when we come to him with a repentant heart. He says, as far as the east is from the west, so has he forgiven us all of our sins. He says, if we confess our sins, that he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He says, so, 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 so when we come to him, even when we've messed up, and we come to him in humility, he receives us with open arms, just like the prodigal son went back to the father after he had messed up. The father ran to him, chased after him, hugged him and dressed him, and says, you are mine, you are lost, my son, but now you are found. Maybe you are in the deep end, but I want to tell you today that even today can be the day where your relationship with God begins again because he loves you and he cares about you. We need to be people that go beyond. Secondly, because the kingdom of God is dependent or requires people who go beyond. Any salvation, any miracle, victory, we cannot do it on the surface. The solution is always in the kingdom. The solution is always spiritual. I've shared with you a few, uh, with uh, some of you that have had me say this. My dad had struggled with alcohol for a long time, a good part of his life, his 30s and his 40s, when we were just up, growing up a little bit. And I saw it getting bad. He was, he was good, fun guy, very talented, very gifted. And I remember when they were just all drinking sometimes just for fun. And they'll have friends over and we'll play games. And over time, as I was getting older, my dad started changing and changing. He'd stay late before, come home later and later. And, 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 and at one point, alcohol took over his life and he started losing his family because of it missed opportunities for promotions and all sorts of things because he had be, you know what, what was fun at one point in his life he had become a slave of it satan wanted to take his life satan wanted to destroy his life and, uh, and I can see the frustration sometimes he would try he says you know I'm going to try I'm going to stop and I'll quit drinking for a week and then He'll get back in it. I'll quit for two months, and then he'll get back into it. And the cycle went on and on. But one day he met Jesus in a real way. Not human effort, not intellectual programs, and there's a place for that. The touch and the power of Almighty God, and he was completely delivered. And he would say, man, I, just, I don't even know what happened. One instant, God healed his spirit. God healed his addiction, and he was changed. And what the enemy was trying to do in destroying our family, restoration. My dad died seven years, eight years ago um, in March 15th. And, and, and by the time of his death, he had reconciled all the broken pieces in his life, and I thank God for it. Even though the middle of his race wasn't always awesome. He started good, had some rocky times but he finished strong he finished strong uh, we'll try. so Jesus he is faithful even in the middle of the dark hours and even that time period of my life I know that had things been smooth and dandy at, with our family at that time my teenage years I probably would not have met the Lord the way I did but when I look at all this I'm thinking wow I would have been here instead of here. But my path, even then, through the trials and the hard times, I would say probably between the age of, of 11 and 16 were the roughest. God will preserve my life, and I can see how 
He actually had it in his master plan when the enemy was intending to destroy us. God was using the destruction, all the broken pieces, and using it for his good, for his glory. I can I couldn't tell you that then, but I can look back now, many years later, and say, Wow, thank God we went through what we went through because God, even in the middle of all the mess, he was taking all that the enemy thought he's winning. And he says, oh, you didn't know it. I still hold the last key. I speak still the last word. We cannot be carnally minded people. Our world cannot afford believers to be carnally minded. Romans said, the world needs a church that is alive spiritually. And the world needs a world church that prays. A people that get on their knees. We don't fight with people. We don't get in senseless debates. There's a place for debate, but don't let it be senseless. Before we open our mouth, we go and consult the king. We go to the kingdom. We go and, and take over what the enemy is intending. And, and we realize that there's a battle. Can I just say, let's not fight like the world fights. Let's not react to every story. And if we have to react, let's react on our knees. Esther finds out everything. She could be mad. In fact, she was. I, I would imagine she was. And she's calculating the risk. She's thinking nobody has ever gone to the king in the inner courts and survived unless they've been invited. Now, there is a small chance that if I go there and I approach the king, that he might lift his golden sculptor and say, I might find favor and I'll be spared. But the law is only one. If you go in there uninvited, you'll be going out in a box. She's calculated the risk. And this is where many of us start talking ourselves out of the will of God. We make the calculations. The Lord's asking of you to do something. He's asking you to start a small group. He's asking you maybe to give a lot of money to missions or whatever. He's asking you to go do something. He's asking you to go talk to someone. He's asking you to, to, to approach the, the horrible person that you don't like and show them the love of God. He's asking you to forgive someone that does not deserve forgiveness. And we calculate the risk and we start backpedaling. Because we know it's going to cost us something. We know that there is a sacrifice that is going to be made. And we calculate the sacrifice like, just like that. Satan knows that I'm preaching good and starts messing up with the lights. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Those guys are awesome. They do an awesome job. Because I'm all over the place. They're trying to find me. I can't, they can't find me. If I would just be a good preacher and stand and be very disciplined on the pulpit. No. So give it up for those guys that do an awesome job. Yeah, all the time. She knows that it's going to take a risk. But before she ever utters a word and says anything, he says, hey, my uncle, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get with your guys. I want you to get on your knees. I want you to not eat. I want you guys to go to prayer and fasting. This is why we do it for three days. I'm kidding. And just go in. Go beyond the law that has been passed. Go beyond the political decision that needs to be made. Go beyond the hatred that we already see exists. I want you to go to your knees and call on the name of the Lord. 
you won't be praying alone, just so you know. Myself and all my people here, we're going to be fasting for three days as well. We're going to be praying. How many times do we approach very consequential decisions without ever getting on our knees and asking of the Lord? And then we wonder why our life is the way it is. Because we never bothered asking the Lord. We never bothered. She actually, before she would talk to the king, they got into some real business. Not the little religious prayer. They got into warfare. They got on their knees. They knew that the battle is for spiritual. You win it in the spiritual realm before you see the reality in the natural. The battle is won in the spirit, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Now, the weapons of our warfare, it says, are not canon, but they are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. You know that there is a stronghold here. There is the devil who wants to destroy here. We know it's not just Haman who hates us, but there is a spirit behind that wants to destroy. And they get on their knees and they pray. And when she finally gets to the king, the king lifts the golden scepter. That's called favor. That's called favor. Undeserved, unmerited favor. And Jesus went to the cross. What he did, he got himself nailed to the cross. For sins that he did not commit, he who knew no sin, he went on so that he can extend the favor of God to you and I. The grace that we don't deserve. We can never be good enough, no matter how well we try to please God. We can never, it says that our own righteousness, the Bible says, is us like filth rugs before the Lord. God is holy and we are not. We can do our best. On our best day, we still are sinners. Uh, we are still as sinners and deserving of God's mercy and deserving of God's grace. But what Jesus did on the cross for us, he was able to lift the golden sculptor and give us the favor of God. He gave us a favor of God. That's so why we are saved by grace. Through faith. We are saved by grace. What is faith? It's the un uh, what is grace? It's the unmerited favor of God. We go to him in prayer. We look at the results. We see the attacks. We see anything we see. We respond in faith, we respond on our knees. We see the spiritual meaning behind it. And lastly, if we're going to be people who go beyond, it requires us sometimes to change the playing field. The whole world is playing in the natural. The whole world is playing in the natural. Even when you're going for a job, <laughs> it's all natural. How many know that God can give you favor even at a job? God can lift you up above people that have more credentials than you have. God can lift you up above people who even hate you and don't want the best out of you. God can still bless you in the middle of all that. We need to be spiritually minded people. You might get tired of hearing about our time in Kenya. If you do, just one time, you, start, you can just let me know. The stories can, you can put to rest. But one story is so much. When you, when you travel overseas with nine children and a pregnant wife, then you can tell me that there's no story. We could write a book on just that trip alone. 
just from leaving our house to the airport is a whole chapter. But one of our high, highlight of our trip was uh, we, we, my siblings and I and uh, their kids, we rented this um, beach house that's like in a remote area. We didn't want any humanity around us. We just wanted to be the house, the beach, and the Lord, right? That's just the best thing ever, right? But to get there, it was, we had to ride a train for six hours and, and drive for two hours, and we get to the place so tired. I mean, you're worn out. You're just ready to throw everything out. We'll check the luggage tomorrow. Run to the beach, lay down. How many can say glory, hallelujah? <laughs> that would be perfect. So you're just driving and you're, you're like, you know, I'm going to just go there and be a silly and do nothing. Nothing, you know. We get there. The guy that's renting us this place says, I, I got to talk to you first, really quickly before we get started here. You know we are in the wild. We are out in the, no, in the middle of nowhere. It's like, that's exactly why we came. We wanted to be, well... Let me tell you, there's some creatures around here that you need to know about. And he pulls up this old book that was written, I think, before the Bible was. And it's got pictures of every kind of snake imaginable. He says, we have green mambas here and black mambas. And when you see a snake that crawls really slow, and it's black, if you see anything black or green... I want you to yell. So am I saying the truth or what? He says, scream. And we have people all over that will come and take care of it. Don't try to fight it. <laughs> I just have my, I'm like, I'm trying to act like a little tough here. I'm not faced by mambas, but I'm thinking, okay. I'm calculating in my mind. Why did you not tell me this before I paid the deposit? Number one. Number two, how quickly can I get my family out of here? <laughs> because, you know, so it says, if you get beat, there's a hospital that's about 30 minutes away. It's a very good hospital. But I want you to take this book, because this book is better than the Bible. It will save your life. Try to identify really quickly what beats you, because, because that will save your life, and it will save the hospital a lot of time to try to discover. It will save your life. Sarah is sitting right here. I'm holding one baby. She's holding another. My brother-in-law is on the other side holding his baby. My brother. My brother. And my sister-in-law is on the other side with their kids. And I'm thinking, what am I listening to right now? I want to. So I'm, I'm looking. I'm going to spend the night. It's already nighttime. We are just worn out. And they want a lot of. Because you know, but we have never had an incident happened before the thank you Jesus but we've seen them okay and so you start coming the raging seas <laughs> and he goes you know there's so many of you they hate the noise and the movement <laughs> you're probably just coming in here you scared them away I said thank you Jesus there's a blessing when you have a lot of kids sometimes it just pays out <laughs> But how many know one bite from a black mamba will change your life forever? 
But snakes are powerful. We know that's like just a venom. One, one bite <laughs> could go a long way, and you don't want to be get bit. Thank God we did stay. We're tougher, right? And we had a great, great time, and many memories were made, and there was no, we didn't see any snakes whatsoever. And to that, I give God the glory. If I knew that before, I would have never booked that house at all. <laughs> but the grace of God kept us. <laughs> and we, but second day, we had forgotten that conversation, by the way. It was just that beautiful. Now, we know snakes are powerful. When they're on the ground, when they're... They're wise, they're cunning, and they're powerful. But they're the weakest creatures when they face eagles. Eagles don't fight the snakes on the ground. What they do, they snatch them and go up. When the snake is up in the sky, he's powerless, doesn't know what to do with himself. Eagles dominate the skies. That battle on the ground, the eagle will lose in no time. But when he changes the playing field and takes it to the sky, the snake is the weakest creature up in the sky. And eagles dominate. The Lord says that he will mount us with wings. When we wait on the Lord, we shall mount up with wings as eagles. When we're getting beaten or attacked by snakes on the ground, don't get on the ground and stop fighting physical battle. The God is calling us to a spiritual battle. We take that battle to another place. We take the battle where the Lord is. We take the battle higher. We see beyond the surface. He comes and messes with your finances. Says, I am blessed beyond a curse. The Lord, my God, He is, a, or is a, everything belongs to Him. Like the earth belongs to the Lord. His fullness, they are off the world and they that dwell on it. I am sick. He's attacked me with his sickness and infirmity in my body. I know but through the stripes of Jesus Christ I am healed. My kids are going crazy. I don't know what's going to go on with them anymore. I am not afraid for the heritage of the servants of the Lord is that their children will be blessed. They will be taught of the Lord and I speak that in Jesus name. He says that our children will be taught of the Lord and great shall be our children. We change the playing field. Satan attacks you in the natural. You take it to the spiritual. The battle is not ours. The battle is the Lord. Those he fights our battles we were singing this morning. Can I get a glory hallelujah? I don't know what is going on in your life today. That the enemy wants you depressed. He wants you worried. He wants you to live afraid. He wants you to lose your peace. Oh come on. You get to the presence of the Lord. Where there is fullness of joy. You get to his right hand. And there are pleasures evermore. You spend time with Jesus. You make it a spiritual battle. And say Satan I know your plans. I know that you want to destroy me. I know you. But I am not taking it. Because I am a child of God. In Jesus' name. I'm a child of God. Would you stand with me this morning? We're going to pray. God is calling us in this hour that we are living in to be people that see beyond. To be people that go beyond. Let that intercessor inside of you begin to get on his or her knees. There are many intercessors even here today. People that are called to pray that are not praying. The church uh, collectively, we are intercessors of the nation. The nation depends on us to be a people of prayer, a people who change the playing field.